Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 339, and today we'll be talking about Collection Quest from Glitch Text. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Ah, uh, we we have come up to one of my favorite two episodes to rewatch from season one. Actually, probably from the whole series, to be honest. I love this one and episode nine so much. This is episode seven, for those of you keeping track. There's quite a bit going on. Like, this is the most chibi episode by far, as far as doing a lot of what happened, I feel like, in episodes of Avatar, where we just have little either cutaways or sudden changes in the in the characters' expressions to make them tiny and have the, you know, silly little anime expressions and, you know, big white circle eyes and mad temple, <laughs> you know, symbols, whatever. Phil ends on a fantastic face. Yeah, and everyone has those, like, weird reactions, or they get the weird shark teeth, and it's all great. There's also quite a few more um, video gamey moments. Like, we get the, you know, sort of screen <laughs> where where uh, Five and Bergy uh, are, like, I don't know, they're, like, taking a moment to take it all in, and a save screen appears. Yeah, yes, they have their, they have their saves, yes. And there's there's just more like they sometimes cut to maybe a 2D perspective to make the show look like a game or, you know, there's little moments. But this one just had more of those. We had the overhead going on our RPG quest, sort of like an overhead world that kind of reminded me of Zelda 2. Also, though, it turns out that the quest they were on was a mobile game quest. So there's just all sorts of things happening here. Yeah, actually, it was really kind of neat to have them bring in the the mobile gaming and it was very amusing that bergy having to correct them it's both an app and a game <laughs> i mean can we focus here aren't all games applications but yes bergy bergy has a point i like that that i've never heard someone worried about that distinction but i can imagine that that type of person exists who's like i don't play games i'm not a gamer these are just apps yeah. on my phone man nika was on point with having exactly what she needed on her phone at any given time. She had Frog Tongue's picture ready to go. (laughs) She had Crystal Crush ready to go as soon as she pulled that out of her pocket. She's got the gift. (laughs) The gift of immediately... (laughs) I've never thought about that on cartoons, but like, hey, look, I can pull my phone out of my pocket and show the exact image I need to be showing you right now. They seem to be able to do it a lot faster than people I know. Oh, let me show you this really important thing. and takes two minutes to find the actual yeah, photo here, on their phone. Here let, here, let me show you this awesome thing John Silver posted on Twitter after, uh... Oh, God, you had to have been there. <laughs> All right, so I want to uh, I want to go a little chronologically. I want to start back at the start of this episode. Because I want to start with asking, why does Hanobi sell shoes? It's fan merch, baby. Gotta make that cash. I mean, they sell t-shirts for cartoons. Why not sell shoes for a video game company it makes perfect sense but are these shoes from the games because they kind of just look like you know designer sports shoes and the culture around them seem to be the same as that just buying shoes shoe hype i mean just imagine that if nintendo was selling nintendo branded shoes and they had mario on the side that's what hanobi's doing no this would be like nintendo just selling White and blue shoes. <laughs> no, no, they have they have Nobi on the side. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like weird that it was shoes. I don't know. It could have just been 
limited games or even just a collectible. Just interesting. Uh, the shoe world is interesting to me. If they, if it had not been shoes, they would not have been able to do the joke that we have another limited edition ready to go after this one. Well, yeah. So, I'm glad it was shoes. And meanwhile, Mitch uh, starts and ends, he kind of has the bookends of this episode, and he's really laying into, like, clearly as he interacts with people, nobody likes him. So why? Why does he commit to this character that... Only, you know, I, I, in this scenario, I guess the people that he's trying to put down, he believes is beneath him. Uh, you know, and then at the end, though, he doesn't, like, instead of being completely thrown off, he's just like, ah, credit where's credit is due. I'm like, is that in character for Mitch, or should he just be like Eh. PFFT and, you know, just march out of there? I don't know. I think it's in character for Mitch, because... He he has standards. He's not going to put them down just for putting them down sake. He's still not happy about what they did, but if they lived up to a Mitch Williams moment, then he has no retort. Yeah, fair enough. They did overcome turtles, after all. Why did it have to be turtles? Why <laughs> did it have to be turtles? I loved the look for bandanas and martial weapons, a little bit of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles perhaps yeah and a little bit of indiana jones (laughs) i do love the look for martial weapons i know that they mean like the kind of weapons you would use in martial arts but it it still just makes me want to say all weapons are martial (laughs) so uh i'll i'll nerd out on that one sure i found it interesting that when they were hunting down the first gem They let that little girl go free. You know, it seems like we are still grappling a little bit with the mind wipe question. I also like that it just turned into an immediate joke with a nice little (laughs) freeze frame there with the little girl (laughs) leaping up, thinking that, uh, you know, brutally cracking open the shells of turtles would, (laughs) you know, result in a gem. Which also, now I'm realizing how brutal, you know, Mario's career of doing the same to real living turtles is. But, oh well. Well, th- those aren't just any turtles, David. They're troopas, so they knew what they were signing up for. Not in Super Mario Bros. 1. Apparently, all the enemies and the bricks are converted members mm. of the Mushroom Kingdom, so they're all uh, being forced Whoops. to walk off cliffs against their will, unfortunately. Whoops, indeed. <sighs> they couldn't even spring for the good mind control. You ever notice that the green ones, they're not even walking toward Mario. I mean, these are just turtles walking around. I mean, if I touch an alligator in real life, I might die, too. So, like, you know, whose fault is it? Am I supposed to go kill all the alligators on my path? You know? Snapping turtles? Uh. I get points for every alligator I jump on, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I do want to cycle back to the, the Nobi kicks. How Five was talking about how he pre-ordered, but, oh, oh, he had to go look at that dude at the bus stop. But he didn't close his laptop down or anything, so I'm... Left to wonder, how did he not come back home and then see his pre-order page still incomplete? I mean, if it was a Hanobi product, it's not like they're not known to glitch out all the time. So, ooh, ooh, there you go. Maybe there, maybe the Hanobi web servers experienced a glitch. Yes, I'll go with that one. Yeah, I want them to hunt down all the boring, like just actual computer glitches. Like, oh, we have to find another divide by zero. Uh-oh, it's a segmentation fault. <laughs> like... And of course, our favorite, the bit flip. 
Oh, yes, unless it causes you to, you know, make a once in a lifetime, well, once in a million lifetime world record in Super Mario 64 by glitching up to another ledge, then maybe the bit flip is all worth it in the end. So thinking of monsters, I couldn't help but, I mean, they kept saying the word gems. So, of course, the Steven Universer in me is going to be thinking about gems the whole time they're collecting gems. And one, I think Miko and Yellow Diamond would have really liked each other in the past uh, because Miko started off strong with (laughs) saying, I'll get to pulverize all the gems. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) all right. I can imagine Yellow breaking out laughing, just like she laughed at Spinella. Oh, 6,000 years isn't long at all. I can can imagine her (laughs) laughing, oh, because shattering is something I like to do. Shattering them and piecing them back together. Just another day. But also, I I, I was thinking again about how glitches are kind of like corrupted gems. But Steven had the compassion to see Corrupted Gems as something else underneath. And there's no such similar compassion for the glitches. Except for, except for our one bird companion, who did not show up this episode. But Look, um, I'm just saying, you have compassion for glitches now. Wait until we get to the next episode of Glitch Text and you meet Zoom Kazoom. You'll agree that they're all irredeemable after you meet that guy. <laughs> Okay, I, yeah. There will be no more love for glitches left after you meet Zoom Kazoom. Can't wait. You know where else it's uh, really hard to gain back your rep- reputation? It's with, uh, it's with high schoolers. And man, the little story of Nika being constantly watched worse than uh, anyone fearing a microchip from a vaccine. Forget that. Just be a high schooler today. And you're going to be in an alternate surveillance state, apparently. <laughs> On social meds. I mean, I, I love just how otherworldly they made that group of teenagers. Just because uh, <laughs> this is this is even though Miko is the right age, she's homeschooled. Can't imagine why. So this is a completely alien world for her. Yeah, and it like it just reminded me that I did not have to go through that. Like I went to a small high school, and there just wasn't that same pressure. Like this just. It's so scary to see because I know it's surreal. <laughs> like, for some reason, children are geared toward just being psychologically as damaging as possible to each other. And it's so weird. And maybe the adult world is like that. But there's something specific to mm. high school culture that is just like somehow the tribes and the self-preservation and the need to attack is so strong. I think it has something to do with the situation of being forced into high school together. I mean, it's like, you know, you know how with wolves, everybody knows, oh, they, they form the alpha and the beta, you know, you know, they, they have a pecking order with the wolves. And it's like, well, that's actually not true. That only happens when you take wolves from many packs and force them into close captivity together. <laughs> and then you get this savage pack structure emerge based on violence. So teenagers are savage wolves. And if we just let everybody... <laughs> be homeschooled it would be fine interesting yeah they're they're taken out of their natural social environment and they're all forced you know close in together where they would not naturally be and they have a you know culture founded on social violence because physical (laughs) violence you know that's a good point like even with workplaces you may organize similar people but no in high school you got your jocks and your goths and your nerds and they're all (laughs) <laughs> forced to be near each other in a way that maybe doesn't otherwise have to happen. But 
But the Sochmedes, that's the that's the permeating even worse thing that now it doesn't even really matter if you're in high school or not. Of course, I guess if you are homeschooled or outside the circle, maybe nobody cares what Miko's doing because they she's just not as much of a part of their lives as He gets the weird girl did something weird. Better stop the presses, Paulette. Right. Meanwhile, it's like, oh, Nika's actually trying. So, you know, let's watch her career with great interest and find a flaw. <laughs> oh, I was thinking that. I was I'm glad you finished it yeah. instead of making me do it. Yeah, no no one's surprised when Miko is putting a bunch of, uh, you know, freaking you know, laying in used chewing gum. No, I mm, I just wanted her to get those goddamn balls out of her mouth when they were in the ball pit. Like the COVID person in me, I am so there's probably millions, millions of us, maybe tens of millions of us who are going to be so emotionally scarred coming out of this thing because I was looking at that ball pit and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that those just can't exist anymore. So gross. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about ball pits. I was just thinking about Miko. You, you have those in your mouths, but like children in their dirty diapers go in there. <laughs> Yeah, also, there weren't, like, children in the ball pit. It looked like other people Miko's age were yeah. also hanging out, so this is a very interesting arcade and ball pit thing going on. They have a, they, they must have a lot of homeschooled people in Bailey. <laughs> Who enjoy ball pits, maybe, I don't know. I also liked that when we came into the arcade, it started with, uh, you know, Miko inside the whack-a-mole machine, and, I mean, did you also think that she was trying to hack it at first to, you know, somehow cheat at the game? But, of course, no. No. No, I, I I just see it and I'm like, well, she is a licensed technician, so. Yeah, yeah, it, it turns out that she's just like fixing it, which is just wholesome <laughs> and good. But also like it, I feel like Whack-A-Mole is one of the most wholesome games, <laughs> despite the fact that it's one of the most directly violent for children, you know, literally hit this thing and enjoy the physical feeling. You're gonna get whacked. Hey, you're gonna get whacked. But it's, you know, just one of the simplest forms of gaming, which I think is is cute. I thought their mother was actually quite clever to require the 10 minute selfies. And I loved the Pixar didn't happen, girls. OK, I'll give Miko's mom some points because I definitely was against her in the, her you know initial appearance. But she seems to be doing all right with this mother thing. Yeah, maybe she does her best. But I, I loved how they switched to a wide shot when Miko's there with Five and Bergie back at Hinobi headquarters. They switch from a close-up to a very wide shot. And it's like, why are they going so wide right now? And then Miko's explaining about how their sisterly bonding routines always fail. And then you have the pictures of them failing off to the side. I'm like, ah, yeah, they were yeah. making room. Very clever. Very clever. Very clever. Almost as clever as the... Is, it's not even copyrighted. Mia Mama. Those are the details I notice. <laughs> you see, not the, not the composition of shots. Just hearing Bergie say, Mia Mama. And I go, ha ha, that's a funny one. <laughs> because, you know. Yeah, they, they made several Mario references in this one. I guess they couldn't help themselves with the, you know, turtles flying around everywhere. Yeah. No, I like I like your note about... The actual composition of, of this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I notice fancy stuff every now and again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this show is, again, like you look at how they're animating or setting up a ton of the shots in the scene. And it reminds me a lot of Zim where 
I don't remember the exact quote, but essentially Joan Vasquez said to always pick like an angle that you're never going to otherwise see. Like all these action shots feel so much more dynamic as, you know, the blocks are falling and they're shooting, you know, their gems at them and whatever. Like it's just not ever presented in a boring way, you know, like they're taking interesting comic book like angles and then also mixing it up with like, I like you're in the middle of the action and then they just, kind of zoom out and do the 2D playing again, and you just see, like, and now the cat thing, whatever, instead of being angry, is happy. Yeah, the walrus. It had whiskers. (laughs) was spitting out, you know, blocks, but it's smiling. Yeah, and then you have three of them panicking, and Fives just hugging the gem with hearts in his eyes. I I wonder, is it really smiling in Crystal Crush? Why is he always so angry as a glitch (laughs) then? I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, I like that Miko called out that five was be going full golem. <laughs> I see that confuses me because she said he's golem, and then if you look in the subtitles, if you turn subtitles on, they spell it just like golem from Lord of the Ring. Right. But the the old man from the bus stop looks like the wizard from Ring of the Lord. <laughs> so I am forced to assume that the Lord of the Ring trilogy does exist in the world of glitch text, but they also made a sequel called Ring of the Lord, which has a new <laughs> non-Gandalf wizard in it. That's the uh, only explanation I can come to. That's the only explanation. Sure. Or Well, yeah, that's actually confusing. <laughs> it feels like maybe not the same two writers wrote the same thing there, you know, and it just was coincidental that they happened to reference it, or maybe not. That is weird they didn't change up the name. But with Gollum, what are you going to change it to? That sounds like a, you know, alternate universe version. Gommel? Gomlum? Yeah, Gobble. I don't, but would you know? I don't know, I guess. I guess. <laughs> you wouldn't, like, listening to that, know what they're referencing. They, they could have at least spelled it differently in the subtitles. Like, with an E instead of a U or something. Maybe, maybe. Like, that's that's why I even checked the spelling in the subtitles. But no, they spelled it the same. So what do you think about Nika not being completely shocked that digital artifacts can exist in the world and be real manifest? I, I think she was following Miko's lead. Miko's like, eh, this is this is normal. And she's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess I guess Miko would know. I guess. I guess. Miko seems pretty confident. Miko says, you know, oh, it's scientific. Okay, good to know. Glad it's not a scientific hallucination or a uh, you yeah, know magic. Here I was, here I was thinking there was magic. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna bust out the the manual that they tweeted out again. Mm. Now, according to the manual, page thirty three. If you're reading along at home, Plixels are tiny robots that both glitches and glitch tech are made of. So Plixels are physical objects, like nanobots. I think they're smaller than nanobots. I never could get a somebody to tell me how big a mesobot is but they're like nano they're like in the realm of nanobots so they're physical things and yet they're explaining this is oh they don't have their graphics loaded so it's like hmm. it really makes it sound like the whole oh plixels are robots thing is just what the company tells everybody but uh there's actually more shenanigans going along i mean there's a lot to dig that's, in there like that's my theory well i mean okay but the bots are coordinating they they coordinate, you know, the physical shape, but they could, they, they're coordinating the graphics too, right? So maybe the graphics aren't immediately on. But also the whole 
the whole scene of them being invisible and then they just kind of become visible inexplicably and then it doesn't really matter, like, kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird that they even bothered making them invisible and then suddenly, you know, Nika can see them, but not for any reason. They just kind well, yeah, of once turn they, on. Once they turn on. Yeah, but they just turn on without any, like, reason. Like, they step on them and then they turn on. I Whatever. Well, it was because five shot one. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird that they bothered setting it up. But I don't know. I guess it acts as a literal moment of it going from invisible to visible to Nika. So, sure. I, I will say this. I I loved when Bergy went face first into one of the blocks while he was saying, oh, we'll know it when we see it. That's that's what you get for trying to sound cool, Bergy. <laughs> like, you are not allowed to sound cool. Stick with the quest chant. Bergy is really great character in Glitch Tex. It's, and I guess he's oh, introduced Bergie's a in great guy. I love him, but he's well he wasn't introduced. Well, we get yeah. a closer look at him. This is his this is his first feature episode. I just like that he's very clearly nerdier than anyone else on the show or on the team so far, but just like it's not it's not a it's not a joke for the most part. Like, him being a little yeah. goofy plays in, but no one's, like, no one attacks him. You know what I mean? It's not like the oh, kid yeah, with the yeah. boil in Fairly Odd Parents or something. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, oh, that's the kid with the boil. <laughs> you know, he sucks. Uh, or the friggin', what's the kid's name? Jimmy Neutron? The slap, 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 pat, pat, pat. You know, we have characters like that that are just humiliated, and they have no, I, you know, it's just awful. But, like, what if they were actually humans, you know? I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're comparatively much nicer to Bergy. Like, Bergy, Bergy does get some moments where he looks pretty dumb. Like, oh, he gets, a, he gets a really funny one in the Karate Trainer episode, uh, episode 9, one of my other favorites. Yeah. It just comes off a little more as, like, naive or optimistic, though, instead of, I don't know, a complete idiot. <laughs> It's not, it's not like a Patrick Star butt of, butt of the joke type thing. <laughs> well, okay, maybe I haven't seen the episodes yet. He didn't blow in from Stupid Town, that's, that's true. But he's, <laughs> I'm not sure he's playing with the full deck, but that's okay. I love him anyway. Oh, me, a mama. But, yeah. Oh, God, what if that wasn't a glitch text version of Mamma Mia? That's just what Bergy says, because it's Bergy. <laughs> oh, he thinks that, uh, that's I could the imagine. Phrase. I could imagine. Oh, now, I, I, I did write down uh, one more question, and it pertains to when, they're, when they first meet the walrus up on the mural. When it's looming over five, there's a shadow coming out from it, but it's right up against a wall, so where is the shadow coming from? Like, the, the sun's not that high in the sky, is it? Well, but glitches are self-illuminated, right? There we go. Yeah, must be. Yeah. It's from the glitch's own backlight. I'll take it. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, they even have a physicalness, so they could both glow and cast shadows. Sure. I should tweet at one of the show creators, and I, they, could, they can tell me whether or not they measured, like, what angle the, in the sky the sun would be at that time of day. Uh-huh. Because they go pretty nerdy sometimes. But I don't know. I don't think that they were that early in the day for it to be that high in the sky. I really don't. I don't know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to use the backlight explanation. I think. 
I'm more focused on there's no way that those turtles didn't die in this episode. Like Sabrina killed the turtles. Well, for one, she would have only stepped on the one. Uh, But two, I take comfort in the fact that if you look, it looks like her shadow is off to the side. So it looks Ah. like she's just going to land off to the left of the turtles. I I think they did that on purpose to give us hope for those poor, poor turtles. Maybe. Like her mom was freaking out and great face. But if she had like leaped forward or something, then maybe I'd believe that the conclusion had the freeze frame continued would have been her mom, you know, catching her midair and <laughs> tackling her away from the sweet pet sh- pet shop turtles. But, you know. I mean, you already made one Star Wars reference. Why couldn't she use the force and uh, lift her lift her with her mind? Right. I mean, we already have what you've just described to me that the show does have essentially midichlorians. So why not? I mean, they're a little different than midichlorians. Little yeah, microscopic maybe, maybe. beings. I mean, yeah, sure, they don't inhabit people's bodies, except they do sometimes, yeah. so... Maybe maybe Sabrina's mom works for Hanobi Tech Support. So yeah, I don't, I don't think those turtles are necessarily dead, or at least that one turtle. That's good. Anyway, guys, on that pleasant thought, I'm going to say that's it for us on Collection Quest. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. And we are still on a collection quest to get two more (laughs) reviews to hit 100 on Apple Podcasts. So leave us a review. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.